Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I'm your host, Matt Kennedy. And I have with me today my friend, Jonathan Rivera. Hello. Hello. And uh, this has been a, a long time actually uh, setting up. Um, when we, we first started talking about this, I thought that you were going to be on a Young Animals panel at um, at LA Comic Con. Yes. And then I guess the, the con said that they were, they wanted all the big stage events to be one-on-one interviews, and so it wound up um, just being Gerard, which was fine. It was great. Yeah. And I think you were actually out of town anyway is when it happened. I ended up being – I think I was out of town during that or – I forget. It was – it's weird jumping back into like conventions because I always – I did San Diego every year. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like a fan or to see friends. Yeah. So I always remained like one foot in the world of comics, but like getting back to like, oh yeah, that's right. Like New York Comic Con and all the stuff that I used to be very like in tuned with. Because you're from, you're you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. Well, I was, I was born in New York. Uh, I always say I'm from New York and New Jersey, which is a very people. (laughs) people I want to drive locals crazy. Yeah. I I have, yeah. People correct me like, you're not from New York, you know, (laughs) but I am. I was, I was born in Rockland, New York, Mm -hmm. uh, a town called Suffern, Rockland County. And what happened was, is one of those weird things where you move like less than a mile down the road. Yeah. And then you're in New Jersey, which when you're a little kid is like a new world because of school. Yeah. So, and this is the eighties. So it's like no internet, like, you That's just, why kids who grew up in Queens know. are like yeah. right, right over the border of Long Island, and then like some of those people actually, it's easier for them to drive into New Jersey before they drive back into yeah. the, towards the city, and it becomes its own little strange culture. I think it's tough to explain to people in California too, because California is massive. Yeah, like yeah. if you're living on the border of California, you're probably somewhere where there's not a lot of people. Yeah, I nobody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas in New York and New Jersey, those states are so dense yeah. that you're just you know. So like my town was split. Like I grew up in that same like you know twenty yeah. mile radius, but yeah. sometimes you're in New York, sometimes you're in New Jersey, and it becomes so its own culture. For our California listeners, this is sort of like the difference between uh, South Pasadena and North Alhambra, yeah. and that's that's where we'll leave it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so uh, one of the reasons why I have you on the show, probably the prime reason, I guess, is um, that you are part of the Young Animal lineup at yeah. DC, and um, you're co-writing with Gerard Cave Carson as a cybernetic mm-hmm. eye. But um, you're no you're no stranger to comics. You've been working on comics for years, and um, we talked a little bit actually about this with Gerard um, at at Kamikaze. But tell me how it is that first of all, how did you get into comics, and then how did that turn into meeting with, meeting and then becoming friends with and then working with Gerard? Okay. Um, and this is a great way. Like we talked about this before yeah, you came on the show. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's hard explaining to my relatives exactly what I do. So yeah. this, this will be like your, your yeah, we, holiday we were, commercial. We were joking that if you're an artist and you have extended family, yeah. everyone just says graphic design. You go to a Christmas yeah. party. It's like, oh, so you, graphic design is it? And you go, whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. My family thinks I'm an art director. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they know <laughs> just, what that is, but yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, it's tough. I get it. Uh, so, so like in terms of comics, I mean, uh, loved comics from a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an older uh, friend named Brian Medina who got me into like Punisher and X Men. Funky Brian Medina. Funky, yeah. Funky. And it was that time too. So right turn Tone yeah. Loke. Yep. Yeah. So he had that, and I had uh, Geraldo Rivera, and those were the things that tormented us about our last names. Well, at least uh, people thought that you knew where the American Satanic <laughs> Underground was, yeah, which yeah. has come in handy yeah. again lately. Everyone thought I was being coy as a seven-year-old. <laughs> Amazing, um, but uh, yeah, I, I got into like Punisher and the X Men, and mm. I think I think that's what started kind of my love affair with like I liked superheroes, but I didn't really like the Avengers. Right, I didn't I didn't like them. You know, we especially like Marvel Universe that yeah. everyone stops by. Yeah, yeah, like, and so I would get exposure to them through stuff. But I, I liked X Men. I liked yeah. I liked the fact that they. 
they had a job to do and nobody really appreciated the job yeah, that, they that did. Was, that's kind of my take on it too. Like I wasn't super into much of the larger Marvel Universe stuff. Like I, I, my gateway drug was X-Men absolutely through Marvel yeah. and um, which turned into um, talking to older guys at the shop and, you know, luckily, and I, I grew up not so far away from you. I grew up north of Boston. Mm-hmm. In Lynn, Massachusetts, next to Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Know. My sister lives in Newburyport. Very close by. Yeah. yeah, we. My high school played a high school in in Newburyport. Oh, you know, sports wise. Yeah. And uh, so those bus rides were great. But <laughs> the um that that time, you know, you'd ask people, oh, well, I really like this. So what else will I like? No one ever was like, oh, you're gonna like the Avengers because it was during a really big nadir <laughs> in like the writing on the title, it not being very good. It was in between, kind of like that great. George Perez run and then years later when they brought back the Infinity Gauntlet I think I was already in California working with Gaston oh okay yeah, yeah so yeah. It was, there was a big hole in the in the Marvel Universe there yeah yeah man it was it was all about it was all about X-Men it was something about that that yeah the lifestyle they led and kind of I, I like that they were weirdos and they yeah. made their own family and it's weird how yeah. that I don't know if that influenced my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you're like I guess that's kind of how I was living I, it, you know if you went to you high gather, school those would be your friends yeah yeah they, yeah. they were you know yeah. we were like the table that no one wanted to sit at yep. and all but all of us had like we were we were united in the fact that no one really everyone thought we were weird mm-hmm. but we weren't but that was it though yeah. we were like a catch-all bin yeah so some people were like into music and some people were into mm-hmm. art and it's kind of like the x-men everyone had like their little power yeah that they it wasn't like the had. hazed table it was just like the <laughs> yeah. island of lost toys yeah 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 because yeah, we weren't like it wasn't like especially bad or the mom was a pretty like chill town but yeah but yeah, you, you find each other yeah. in, in the chaos and, and and hopefully stick together. So um so I got into that and then mm-hmm. actually the first the first time I got an X Men comic was a classic X Men and it was a perfect it was uh, great author Adams covers oh the God, new covers it was, it was the one I think it was like number thirty it was in the thirties mm-hmm. and it had uh, it was an orange cover and it had Cyclops it kind of looked like he was flying yeah but he was just kind of I don't know but it was a, it was an amazing cover um, and it was perfect because it was right after the Dark Phoenix saga it was after yeah. Gene had died so it was like. Scott reflecting mm-hmm. on his life and like the, it was a perfect uh, entryway into the X-Men because like I, the I learned Smith everything. Run. That's like the Paul Smith run. So that's mm-hmm. like Kitty Pride, yep. and like the little romance with Cyclops, yeah. which they got away from for like 30 years and then came back to mm-hmm. when Joss Whedon started writing, you know, his yeah. Astonishing X-Men. And that's why I loved his run because I'm like, oh, loved his run. the it's Cyclops, the last, you know, romance. Yeah, it was the last X-Men run I ever read. Yeah, I think probably mine too, actually. Yeah, because it, it respected Grant, yep. which I think like after Grant left, they immediately were like, okay, let's turn all that shit around. Magneto's yeah. alive. Yeah. They're back in there. Let's just bring it back to... Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody died, everybody. It's you know that Grant, yeah. yeah. But I loved Grant's run, and yeah. I thought I thought when when Grant finished, it was like such a it was a perfect way to end it. Um, I own one of the I own the last page of the first issue uh, of Grant's new X Men with a Frank Whiteley page, and it's uh, the um, kind <laughs> of it looks like an Aztec um, sculpture, but it's like Nimrod. Nice. You know, yeah. in the side of a mountain and like, yeah. yeah, we're getting ready to pull some shit here, you know, and, yeah. and that kind of kicks off the elimination of half of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. It, it was an, it was amazing. And then, and then yeah, Joss came on and, and not only were the stories great, but I felt like that was a true continuation of Grant's run. Yeah. And then when that was over, I, I, it wasn't like, screw this book. It was like, I, I always, I always, um, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I always talk about. I think monthly comics. Nothing is off topic yeah. in this room. Um, <laughs> You're in a safe long, zone. <laughs> long, long running monthly comics. Yep. Are uh, especially superhero ones. They're like a train. I always yeah. say this. They're like a train. And you're on the train forever. Mm-hmm. The train's gonna never going to really stop. Yeah. And, and you are sitting on that train and you're meeting interesting people and you're seeing crazy stuff out the window and yep. you're enjoying yourself. But at some point you realize like, I, I should probably get off yeah. here. Uh, otherwise I'm just gonna be like a skeleton in the yeah. seat. <laughs> Cause yeah. this thing's going to be going on 30 years after I'm dust. And that's a great analogy because you can get off at a stop because that, that stop is the Grant Morrison stop. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, Oh, I really like the X-Men. I really like this run. And he does other stuff. I'm going to go see what's at this Grant Morrison stop. Yeah. And maybe you never get back on that same train. <laughs> maybe not? you start taking yeah. taxis. Yeah. But and yeah, that's the way I find it. Not like I would never read X-Men again or anything, but it was, yeah. I, was, I just felt it was a good time to just be like, you know, what? I have yeah. nothing but great memories. Yeah. 
of this stuff. So, yeah. and you know, and 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 that kind of bringing it back to like how I got into comics. The superheroes were really important. I think like when I my dad got me those two X Men comics. We were at a supermarket in Florida. We we're on like family vacation, mm-hmm. but we also he took me to a bookstore and we also got the um they were I guess now knowing at the recolored versions of the original Ninja Turtles. Oh right, they started Series. coloring those. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so they were they were beautiful, and they were kind of like they were just called like book. That's like so book funny. One, you're you're two, like living three. my adolescence, like 15 <laughs> years after I had it. It's sort of amazing, you know, because yeah. like the turtles, those guys were from New England. Yeah, I used to see them at comic shows, like trying to like selling them their mm-hmm. own comics, and um, that was also right around the time like the tick started to take off from New England comics, and it was it was super exciting time. And then like yeah, you'd enter in through something like X Men, and then I got like super wrapped up in anything Frank. Miller or Alan Moore would do and that became like everything but then like the the comics that were sort of the periphery of that none of them were superhero like I was reading American Flag I was reading Cerebus Mm -hmm. I was reading Scout you know because Grim Jack had come to an end for Tim Truman like all these indie comics from first and um and even a capital like Badger and and like weird stuff like that and now we're doing you know next month we're doing a show with Steve Rude who did Nexus And it's like a whole collection of the different types of painting that he does. And it's like a personal like triumph for me. It's like, I get to give Steve Root his first, you know, art gallery solo show. That's Like anywhere. Yeah. You know, and it's all because I read his comics when I was like 15 or something. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right now in my life, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that weird, like, I used to read these yeah. guys' books, and now I'm talking to them. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is insane. Uh, I had that feeling when we got the Bills and Cabbage cover for Cave Number One. Yeah, and I think we saw the sketch, and and um, everyone was like, "Do you have any notes?" Mm-hmm. And you know, like everyone kind of chimed in a little bit. There was there was one. The only note I think we gave him was um, to kind of tone down the wild dog. A little bit mm-hmm. because just just for the nature of the reveal, right. we wanted to try to keep it because the problem with the the problem or the challenge that you have actually trying to keep a secret in comics is everything gets solicited like four months yeah. ahead. So yeah. you're like, oh, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. like, it's like, how do we keep this guy under wraps? Yeah, I mean, they have to run these like Twitter length, yeah, you know, descriptions of each book. And yeah. in the old days, they would just give you the goods. Like no one even cared. Yeah, because I think in the old days too, like the retailers, that was necessary information for the retailers. Mm-hmm. But now everyone, the second it's out, it's just on the internet. It's in the world. Yeah, I, I remember so, when when customers started buying previews magazines, you know, yes. back in the nineties, and I was like, wow, this has changed. Yeah, and ironically, the the circulation rates went way down. Really? Yeah, like that kind of, that actually meets right at the same point, like where um, the kind of decline, if you will, of, um, I just air quoted, no one could see that, um, of of comics going from like 3 million circulation on a monthly title like X-Men regularly, yeah. you know, the Jim yeah, Lee Yeah, like era. X-Men got canceled because it was only selling like a million, right, back in like the yeah. 70s? Yeah, yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this has gone below our radar. <laughs> let's let's put it in reprint until '94. Uh. But the um, but like back, you know, even in the in the early '90s, when you know, I think Spawn sold something oh, like God. nine million copies yeah. or something of of the first issue. It's somewhere between seven has and nine. Spawn. Oh yeah, everyone, that's why it's not worth anything. I mean, my has mom one. has a copy of Spawn one, and he just showed up. I bought her copy of Spawn <laughs> <one>. <laughs> a copy. for a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still uh, holding on to mine. I'm still waiting. I, I bought it for the Staples. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, the, the, the solicitation numbers started to really fall off the map and it was because they started doing all this crazy stuff at Valiant with the, um, the stupid little gold logos and, and no one knew what was valuable and one, what wasn't. And, and people were just speculating, collecting this box is full of Valiant collections from the early nineties that, you know, they're, they're not even worth their weight in paper at this point. Yeah. And the content became, the content of the comic just became a delivery system for the cover. Yeah. And and new (laughs) characters like that Lee field, like I'm going to put a new character on every other page. What's the one blood? Jar and I were talking about this the other day. It was. It's not bloodshot. It's not blood. It, the cover you could rub the blood, and it said rub the blood. Really? Yeah. It had splattered blood on the cover. Oh my god! And I gosh. guess it was like a thermal reactive, like ink. Is so, like X Force? No, no. This was a. This was an image. Okay. Book, and it was like straight up like blood force. It was just oh my blood gosh! Works. I, it might be blood works. Yeah, wet, yeah, wet works. It's not wet works. Okay, it's not. That's that Potassio, was, right? Yeah, Potassio. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Someone will will correct but us later. But it does later. say on the cover, "Rub the blood." Oh my god, that's and, amazing. And I think I found it in my dad's attic a couple like about a year ago, and the, you can still rub that blood. So it's <laughs> a so quality work. I don't know if I ever read the comic, but every no ten, one ever read Image Comics. Every ten years or so, I, I rub the blood. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the worst. You go from, you know, reading these comics oh, and, yeah. and finding your way through the kind of, and at this point, re- reprints oh, of like great stuff. Yeah, yeah. What I wanted to get to with the Ninja Turtles thing was that, you know, at the time, so I was like, I don't know, seven or eight. So I was watching the Ninja Turtles cartoon. I was right. totally sold on that. So then when you got to see the original uh, Ninja Turtle what comics, a different you were thing. like, holy shit. Yeah, my like parents people- were like, hey, enjoy your Ninja Turtle comics. I'm like, there's some. All right. Yeah. Well, this is very similar to people who are watching the Batman TV series and then reading the Neil Adams stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) and and you get like, you know, shirtless Razal Ghoul and and it's like just hectic. Yeah. And and a lot of people forget about that. It's interesting to bring up that that kind of weird area in comics. Because you could, because as a kid, I mean, uh, kids now, this isn't relevant to you because you could see anything at any time. Yeah. So um, on your phone, yeah. So kids with phones makes me crazy. But, but yeah. back then, it's like you know you can't you know, seeing like a rated R movie. Like you had to like make a case, yeah, for it. Be like, listen, it's just people getting shot. There's no boobs. Yep. You know, like you had to yep. like make a nice, uh, a good argument to your parents to go see like yeah. Terminator. You know, but um, I bought then, tickets for a lot of older people to get to see things like <laughs> yeah. First Blood, Rambo, yeah, you know, yeah. Part Two, and yeah. Like, but one thing that you always, the one place that was always free was books. Yeah. My parents didn't care if I read. Stephen King or yeah. like like it, it, it or G.H. Lawrence yeah you know I was it was funny like because I remember kids my age were reading like Goosebumps yeah and stuff but I was just reading like Needful Things <laughs> I was like guys you gotta get on some of this shit yeah forget that like <laughs> like it was it was great because yeah it was you were alone with it yeah you know no one cared if you're reading up like what parents gonna see their kid reading a book right and be like I gotta stop that see my my <laughs> My dad, like, because my whole room, my, my birthday's like, on the book. yeah, my, my, my room's <laughs> like, it was, my birthday was two weeks before Halloween, and my whole room was like all horror movie posters, like the original Exorcist poster, um, I had an original um, Hell, Legend of Hell House, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, oh, um, like all these amazing, like original posters, and I had them like in, in cardboard with plastic with like tacks going through so it wouldn't oh, put the God. holes in, in the, uh, in the posters itself, and like so all this good. other crazy stuff stuff and I had like a Dave Stevens poster of Betty Page Oof, like yeah. being surprised during a film shoot and someone opens the door and they're like whoa you yeah, know yeah, and, but yeah. she's covered up yeah and that just caused my father's ire more than anything I can imagine and um and I think like I also had, I had sliding closet doors okay. and so on one side of them I had like Samantha Fox like the pop star who was like a page oh, two girl yeah. you know in, in England so there was like a bunch of topless shots of her oh I think I had my comic I had my comic cabinet my yep. old like my old childhood furniture had like this one just kind of full size cabinet mm-hmm. and I think I would put like yeah I would like tape up like <laughs> yeah. a picture of Psylocke or something like yeah. at her wizard it was like my locker it was like <laughs> mom and dad are asleep but it would like <laughs> a flashlight Time comes to go out. To the vaults. <laughs> no, uh, but I would, I, I would totally get. Um, he hated it. Like he totally hated the fact that I like comic books, and he knew that I read and I read a lot. We had like encyclopedias, and I always had the encyclopedias mm. open. But something just rubbed him the wrong way about that, and he knew mm. better. Like somehow, like about Stephen King, and I would read it anyways. But then he would like he'd see it laying around, and he'd just call it crap, and then I'd sometimes put like something that I knew you really couldn't have a problem with, you know, like a Philip Roth book or something around you yeah. know to see what he had to say about that you know was he like the dad from creep show he's kind of like archie bunker <laughs> yeah actually. okay yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 get this crap out of here yeah um so it was weird like seeing that with the ninja turtles that was my first like kind of weird thing and then my my town had two comic books mm-hmm. in two the comic shops book. yeah no two comic books in the library oh my gosh so the town library because that was a nerd so after school me and my friend john hall would hang out and the only the library because because uh, once again yeah. you know we lived in a small town and it's like where are you going to get dropped off where your parents are like well, I'm not a bad parent for leaving my kid alone for six hours at a the library. library. Yeah, yeah. That's like I'm a great. This is I'm doing a great job. You know, I like, deserve an award. Yeah, yeah. So my parents would drop me off at like the library and hang out with John Hall, and we would read comics. And they had two comics. They had Craven's Last Hunt. Wow. And Mouse. Wow. <laughs> That's the two they had. So I obviously read Craven's Last Hunt first, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Yeah, that was but, pretty hectic. Man, but man, like I read Mouse, and and so I'm like maybe 10 or 11 at this yeah. point. And, 
you know, it's an amazing experience to read Mouse, and yeah. and I think very early on it showed me that there was more to comic books, right? Than just like punching. As much as I loved Spider Man, yeah. you know, punching people, like there was other stuff too. And I think that that went on into my high school years, and then that's where now we're getting back into like the young animal thing, where um, that's where I discovered Vertigo mm-hmm. comics. So like superhero wise, I always read Marvel. Yeah, uh, I loved Batman. Yeah, but I never really read too many of the books. I, re- I watched the cartoons, and yeah. the movies. It was, it was strange. Like I always. You know, I always loved them, but I almost um, never read it contemporarily. Like I read Dark Knight when that came yes, out. Yeah, but um, like as the necessities I would read, and I'd, I'd go like, oh, back cool. and you know the first some of the first stuff I was buying was Marshall Rogers Batman's, you know, and the Joker fish stories because mm. the guys in the comic shop like you're gonna love these. Marshall yeah, Rogers yeah. is great, and there'd be a battle between guys at the comic shop. No, Neil Adams Batman's yeah. better than Marshall Rogers Batman. Yeah, I think if I had had like a better guide, I would yeah. have read more Batman. But I was just overwhelmed and like. You know, I, I um, and I and I just, but that's the thing. Like, I look at my bookshelf, and mm-hmm. it was all Vertigo. Like yeah. nowadays, it's all Vertigo. So that was the thing. Like, DC had Vertigo, and that was where I went for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that ended up being the stuff that um, now we're talking like my later teen years. Mm-hmm. You know, reading Sandman, Preacher. Yep. Uh, right around the time where you're starting to figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. And at first, I wanted to get into medicine. I wanted to be a pediatrician, mm-hmm. and I loved like reading about like biology and all stuff. But I didn't really love the science. I didn't love all of it. I started getting into like chemistry and stuff, yeah. and I was just like, ah, "It's not speaking to me." Yeah. And then, but at the time, comics were. And I started to read stuff like Kill Your Boyfriend. And that was Tank great. Girl. I oh, love those. Yeah, God. those those are. I remember when those came out. We were all over those. It's really important if you own a comic book shop to kind of know your readers. Yeah. I, you know, like there was a our local comic book shop was called BNR Baseball Cards. Obviously, comics were like the secondary thing that they yeah. sold, but then became the main thing. A lot yep. of places were like that. Like mm-hmm. my the big comic book store near me was called paperback exchange yeah and it was literally a place where you would like go buy a book and then you could bring it back to them it was kind of like the way gamestop does it yeah and it was the same yeah corner bookstore in lynn yeah, yeah and you sell, book shack. sell it back and you get another book and yeah uh or you could choose to keep it you know yeah. um and so but then they also their main business became comic books so it was all yeah. these people who didn't think they were going to become comic book store owners that became comic book store owners because yep. that's where the money was uh the gentleman who ran the store retired and this woman took over and she called it the comic cave and she like redid the whole place uh, her name was michelle and she was she was awesome because she you know at a small a smaller store you have like your box your yeah. pull list yep. so anyone the out subscriber there, yeah. lists and yeah, stuff your subscriber yeah. list, so they, they put it aside for you and she would look at my list and go like, and then she would order stuff that I might like. Pop it in there. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to buy yeah. it. Great sales technique. Yeah. I mean, you know, even things like she got me like a Madman yo-yo. <laughs> Weird stuff. She knew I liked Madman. And then I think she ended up getting me Flexman Tallow. Yeah. And that was a total like random. I was like, sure. Yeah. And then that was the end. Yeah. Like once I read Flexman Tallow. Uh, tank girl and kill your boyfriend that's when i think in my head the the thing that was my hobby mm-hmm. that i liked doing like drawing in class and making little comics and on like typing paper yeah um i think then that's when i started thinking like well maybe this is what i want to do because they yeah. were cool you know like the tank girl trade you had like a quote from damon alburn yeah on the back You're like, like this isn't for just nerds, who, of you know? course, Jamie Hewlett must have drawn six or seven times on the cover of Deadline, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah There's a man. lot of that. I saw that. I saw Jamie Hewlett, and I saw, like, you'd see the photos and stuff that they'd post, and I was like, I don't know, this was, once again, this is kind of pre-internet, Yeah, folks. Yep. <laughs> so you, you didn't have, it was tough to find your community, mm-hmm. and I think it's easier now. Yeah. Um, and that's, find that's all online. positive. I'm yeah. not saying like, oh, the kids today, like that's wonderful. Please always appreciate that. Cause back yeah. then you were like, you know, my perspective of comics was this, the same thing that the media represents where it's like a bunch of just nerds yeah. and just, and, you know, agree, <laughs> which, which I guess we perpetuate sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but also the show case in point. Yeah. You know, you have like comic book guy on the Simpsons yep. and I love comic book guy because I think he's a spot on parody of, of what we can be. Yeah. At yeah. our worst. He's not, he's not something to aspire to. Yeah. He's, he's actually, he's supposed to be a cross between, um, golden apples, bill <laughs> really, and, <laughs> um, Hollywood book of posters, Eric. Kamen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like there's somehow a cross love between it. the two. Like he yeah. looks more like Eric. And then, um, the toy guy from, um, 
from Toy Story Part Two is absolutely based on arcade oh, with that's the Cheetos great. and the stains on yeah. the shirt and stuff. Ah, yeah, that's and perfect. You know, that's it's perfect. actually yes. I think <laughs> yesterday or two days ago would have been Eric's sixty fourth birthday. He oh, passed away, you know, a couple yeah. years ago. But um, you know, he's such a great advocate for movie poster collecting. Like I bought. Yeah. I bought in the back pages, you know, pre-internet, in the back of Fangoria magazine, found an ad for Rick's posters and Hollywood Book and Poster. Right on. And would call them up and Eric would answer the phone. I'd do my orders and I'd be like, can I send you a money order? Because I didn't have a credit card, you know? Yeah, yeah. God, it seems so quaint, all that stuff. Like, um, yeah, like I I remember... I didn't read Fangoria as much, which is which is strange because I love horror movies. I think I think Fangoria was a tougher sell with mom and, and your dad. parents. Yeah, yeah, because you know you're at the supermarket yeah. or something, and you're like, hey, can I look three bucks? I have a horror story about I was I was a subscriber, and I, I got my mom to actually buy me a subscription to Fangoria, yeah. and the like. I always got home before my dad to get the mail. And it didn't come bagged. It just came. And sometimes the covers would be screwed up because the mailman didn't care. But I think it was issue 38 or maybe 42. It was like around then. So this is like the the mid-1980s, like right around the time of um, of, uh, Return of the Living Dead and like Reanimator. Yeah. And so the, the issue comes through and right at the staple. So it pops open right at the staple. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of three naked women covered in slime. (laughs) on the left hand side of, of the, the magazine and my dad picks it up and he was he just like looked at it and he just gave me this look and I was like am I gonna get grounded you know like yeah. I, I just I felt like I was gonna get punished you for this I feel like you're in such trouble I wrote a letter to them and I was like guys you can't put that stuff at the staple yeah you know that's that's great yeah no, that's great that you wrote them <laughs> yeah cause there was now there is that fear it's a strange I don't know like I had um <clears throat> I think one of my favorite one of my favorite bands of all time is Guns N' Roses. I love yeah. them. And at the time, Appetite is huge. Yep. That's when it was like out, and that was the only you know that was their latest album. Mm-hmm. And I was I was young, but like um, my I had my sister write down the songs that had swears in them because I was like, okay, I just so now I know like if mom and dad are around like i don't play those play songs. songs and then they had that great was a robert williams poster they well the original version of the record when i bought it it was the cover yeah and oh, then they sh- then they switched it to the, the tattoo cross yeah yeah I, and that would fold the audio cassette um the first edition of that i think had the the williams and then the second one had the cross and then that folded out you smart. had the original cover yeah. inserted in the inside and yeah that's what i had the audio cassette so it was yeah. like if you folded it open you would see and the, i think the woman's breast was like was it like was exposed, yeah. And I was like, it, every time I had that tape on me, it was like trying to sneak a like a gun. I felt, like yeah. it felt like I was like, God, I hope they don't look. I hope yeah. just don't don't ask me a question, or I can't listen to Guns and Roses. Anymore. That's too funny. Um, well, let's take our first break here, and um, when we get back, we're going to um, you know talk a bit more about how you find your way to art school and and meeting and hanging out with uh, Gerard, and then um, doing what you do. So uh, we're going to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors in just a second, and then you'll be right back with John from Rivera on Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. You're just a little too close. Okay, is it too hot in the mic? Just a, just a smidge. Okay, I, I'll take it out. But... All right, cool. Anything more than that, you were right on the edge. Yeah, all right. And three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I'm your host, Matt Kennedy, and I have with me today, Jonathan Rivera. And um, we're talking about, you know, kind of growing up in the East Coast and just the the amazing effect of comics as your kind of social tribe. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and and how influential that that has been. And um so let's hop into it. Let's um let's go from from being a reader to saying, you know what, I want to do this. Going to art school and and uh it's interesting. So you go to art school and then every art school's rough. Like freshman year, your foundation year, you know, I'm sure all art schools have some kind of foundation year where you're yeah. kind of you're trying to do things you're not you know and it's weird because you go to S- I go, went to SVA School of Visual Arts mm-hmm. and it was uh, originally a cartooning school but, yeah. but really at the time you had SVA or you had Joe Kubert yeah. and I liked Joe Kubert um, su- that's a super intense school fame like some yeah. of our some of our teachers taught there and yeah. uh, that school is great I wanted the New York experience so I went to SVA mm-hmm. um, which was started by Jerry Robinson <laughs> and Bern Hogarth. Yeah. Yeah. And um one of the early board members was um 
um, oh my gosh, uh, the spirit. Um, Will Eisner? Will Eisner. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they used to go to colleges, like other colleges, and give examples of how comics were the modern art form. Yeah. And they, those are the guys that started it. It was first wow. called the, the New York School of Cartooning, and then it became the School of Visual Arts. And then it became <laughs> uh, the chairman, a uh, guy named Jack Endewalt, who I think uh, passed away a few years later. But like um, Jack, he was in the end of his like reign, mm -hmm. and a guy named Tom Woodruff was going to take over. I think in like a year. I don't know if they had hired Tom him Woodruff. Yet. Wow. So so Tom Woodruff, and he still is. I just talked to an SVA student. He's still the head. Tom Tom is an interesting guy. We've shown him, you know, at La Luz de Jesus. <laughs> He's a yeah. great artist. He's a very interesting guy. Um, Got into a few. We got into a few arguments about low art and high art and yep. stuff like that. He's definitely a fine artist. Yeah, his heart's in the right place. Yeah, uh, with comics, and I think he he introduced really cool stuff to the program. Where, whereas Jack, okay, let's okay. It's my first day. Mm -hmm. It's my it's my uh, what is it, orientation? Yep. And we're in the theater. The whole cartooning program, and I would say it's maybe like I don't know, maybe like four hundred kids, right, or something, yeah. <clears throat> three four hundred kids. He's like, all right, here's the deal, like. Most of you are not going to make it. He's like, by the end of the first year, half of you are going to quit. It's like the drill sergeant. Yeah, and he was like, half of you are going to form bands, yep. and you're just going to quit art school. Yep. He's like, so have fun, and see you later. He's That's like, funny. he's like, by the time you graduate, and I, I got to say, he was right. I mean, yeah. by the time I, there was maybe a hundred of us who made yeah. it to the end of the four years, and out of those. Even a hundred sounds like huge. I, I almost want to say like sixty. Yeah. And out of those sixty, it being SVA, I don't think I had even seen artwork from like forty of them. Yeah. Because I think as long as you're you're paying your tuition, they didn't so, pay much attention. <laughs> some kids just like flay. It, it really pissed me off because I was a I'm here to driven and do it. Yeah. yeah. And part of that's actually how I met Gerard. Like I was I was like I'm in school. I'm in school. That's my job. Yeah. I'm just here, right? And so. So we started uh, foundation year, and then I didn't meet Gerard until sophomore year. This creative writing class. Um, it was a creative. Oh no, I met. I actually did meet him freshman year. So what happened was I had done well on my SATs in the mm -hmm. verbal. Yeah. Uh, so I, I because of that, I had to. I could skip the first semester of like English because you do get a bachelor's degree from SVA, so you have to do like a thing of math yeah. or science. Yeah. You know, they have some basic state requirements. Yeah. So they were like, you don't have to take the first semester of, of uh, whatever uh, English. Mm -hmm. And you're, I was like, okay, well, I, I've got a, a hole in my schedule. Might as well take another class. I took a comedy writing class. Yeah. That's where I met Gerard. <laughs> uh, so, and Gerard, so Gerard was a, a senior and I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. It was like a May, December relationship. It's like Harold and Mon. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he told me, he was like, um, he was like, you guys would just crack each other up yes. and nobody else got Everyone it Everyone sucked in that class yeah. except for Gerard. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like they were, the, okay, let's just put it in perspective. Jerry Springer is very like in the zeitgeist at this point. We're talking 1998. Right. So like off the bat, 70% of the skits ended with people chanting Jerry, like Jerry, Jerry, wow. like that horrible thing that people were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what the equivalent to that is now, but it's there like was in, in the early nineties, I remember, um, a friend of mine who I worked with at a nightclub and, and he was taking a writing class and I was surprised he was taking a screenwriting class. I think yeah. it was, and I'd already done some, um, some polishes on some scripts and he was like, man, I just hate like every, he's like after Pulp Fiction, every single script had a gun in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> it's a great Tarantino. movie, but then it just like, it just changed the face of everything. No one could just write, you know, an interaction between Everyone two Everyone talk about some kind of pop culture. Yep. And there was a gun. Yep. And yeah, it makes you, people give Quentin Tarantino a lot of shit, but when you see it done badly. Yeah. It was like when I saw um, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, yeah. Witch Hunters. Yeah. I was like, oh, like. Watching this movie, you can really appreciate how good Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are when they did Army of Darkness. Yeah. Because that that's not an easy tone to nail. Right. And that then now you have two examples of someone who nailed it and yeah. someone who tried and, and just failed. No idea. Yeah. Yeah, didn't even know the source. And you'd see that. Like as an actor, I would go into auditions and I was attached to a couple of pilots and they were dropping pulp cult culture references in these scripts that they themselves did not get. Yes. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd be like, like, oh, I really like that you did this oh, yeah. thing. You know, and it's oh, yeah. like, oh, 
And uh, we all have it. We all have it. Like yeah. Kevin Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, um, <clears throat> I was a teenager from New Jersey now. Mm-hmm. And so, so when I was like, so we started with the New York thing. I moved when I was like seven or eight to, to New Jersey. So mm-hmm. I was growing up in New Jersey. And my first two or three jobs were video stores. So my heroes were like Randall Graves and Randy from Scream. Yeah, yeah. Like (laughs) the two Randalls, the Randys and the Randalls. Um, (laughs) They were my heroes. And I loved Kevin Smith. I I, I still love Kevin Smith. You know, like like his his stuff. I mean, I think he's cool. Yeah, he's awesome. He's the the greatest advocate for being a nerd that the world has ever seen. He was going maybe going back to what's kind of the theme of this podcast is like culture. Yeah. Like, you know. Watching Mar- people don't people now can't understand, and maybe that's good. Is yeah. that back then, if somebody like was talking about Star Wars in a movie, yeah. that blew your mind. Yeah, like these guys are talking about like the Death Star, like yeah. like contractors on the Death <laughs> yeah. Star. Like now, that stuff's commonplace. Yeah, back then that was like crazy. It's pre Dawson's Creek. Pre Dawson's Creek. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. The when, once the fire caught it. it it went out of control yeah. real, real it quickly. Was, it was the Scream script, and it's what you mentioned. You know, you talk yeah. about, you know, the, um, the is it the Jamie Kennedy yeah. in Scream, that the character that he plays the best. is the guy that we all like, and we're so happy that he survives the movie. Yeah, until the second one where, <laughs> yeah. for some reason, he dies. Not only, and it's weird, because I had read early days of the internet, I read like an alternate where he lived. Yeah. And it was way better. Yeah. Because the thing that bothered me so much about Randy dying in Scream 2 is he died in the dumbest way yeah. that a, a horror movie fan, fan you never back up yeah who walks backwards when yeah. you're in some situation a yeah. horror situation you never do it yeah <laughs> it's level one but that's like that change was that like, their meta joke was that like maybe and um <laughs> and you know the screenwriter who i think was he launched Kevin Williamson yeah, yeah. He, he launched Dawson's Creek right yeah. like that's I mean, his thing yeah there was he like launched like a genre yeah. of stuff, you know, even because I think he did like Halloween H2O. So even like one of the Halloween movies yeah. was kind of a scream movie yeah. where people are making pop culture. It was the beginning of of kind of the stuff that Pat Oswalt talks about, like this yeah. pop culture, you know, everything's available all the time. And, yeah. And, 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 <clears throat> and it's interesting. But so bringing it back to Kevin Smith, like he's hearing mall rats, like them talking about like bags and boards. Yeah. And and even chasing Amy, like even though. Chasing Amy was a pot. I thought it was a cool portrayal of comic book artists because yeah. they were like, they were like hip guys. Like they went out to, you know, obviously there's the story like yeah. part of it, but like um, they went out to bars and they had like friends and I yeah. thought that was cool. But Which you the never one really thing saw before. You never saw. It was yeah. always, oh, he's a comic book artist. It's just some big fat nerd. Like, yeah. I'm angry and. You know, but but no, these guys were cool. They were a little too cool. Like, there's a no, there's no way two comic book artists lived together in that apartment and it was that clean. Yeah, it was like <laughs> so clean. Well, they are hinting that, um, you know, that Pinky. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Maybe that's the, yeah. Pinky's the Felix Unger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the relationship, I but, love that. Yeah. You know, I, I what I, I actually I really love Chasing Amy, and I, I thought that um, you know that was one of the, the films that people who really love the the view a skew universe mm-hmm. i didn't like you know because it was like an adult movie in the middle of this um yeah, you know, kind of sophomoric cool. thing but i felt it was the film that that grew up and it was like it, i had i had a major argument actually as a result of that movie like yeah. with a girl i was dating like where it just came down to experiences you know it's yeah. like i've had this experience you haven't had this experience i can't go back you know it's a movie that i think if i had I loved it, but maybe if I had paid attention to it a bit more, I would have had an easier time yeah. in relationships, not being, like, jealous. Like, as yeah. a young, yeah. like, 17, 18-year-old, like, I think if I had caught the larger, uh, the you know. But you, we don't. Like, you, you kind of can't. It's it's sort of a rite of passage. You have to go through those yeah. those awesome episodes of stupidity. And, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you look and Ben Affleck has always kind of sort of looked the exact same age. So, even yeah, if you go back does. and look at that, it's like, oh, yeah, he, he hasn't aged that much still. Yeah. And and so, he always sort of looked like he was maybe 28 years old. You know, he's always yeah. kind of looked yeah, 28. And, yeah. um, and so, like, you still make those mistakes up until you have, like, that really first very important relationship. Not yeah. the high school relationship, but then, like, that adult relationship relationship yes yeah you do and uh, men and women like you <clears throat> whenever i give like someone advice especially like a like a younger guy friend mm-hmm. i'll start it with saying listen 
everything I'm about to tell you, you're not going to listen to it. Yeah. Because yeah, you're going to say, well, you don't know them. Yep. So I'm wasting my time, but I'll tell you this so that you realize it later. Mm-hmm. But you have to go through this yourself. So did any of that wind up in your in your first graphic novel? Yeah, Heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my whole first graphic novel was... Um, and it's funny that we brought up Kevin Smith because, like, that was what I had to escape. Yeah. Was the Kevin Smith, like, the let's talk about pop culture. Like, I felt like, like, um, not because it was bad, but because I, I, yeah, you were, like, leaning on a style. And you don't want to be that other guy from New Jersey who's wanna, writing about pop culture to, because yeah. there's a guy who does that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I felt like. You know, that's that's the trap I fell into. Everyone yeah. falls into like little traps where like when I went through. So I did Heartbreak as three separate issues. This is post-college. So we'll we'll jump back to college. But like um, and then we collected it. Uh, I did it with a guy named Nick DiStefano. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were roommates in college. And what the way Heartbreak worked is we both told we both wrote and drew our own stories mm-hmm. and kind of leapfrogged each other throughout. Yeah. Kind of like two little Rod Serlings telling these horror <laughs> stories about dating. And, and it wasn't just about dating. It was kind of about. Gerard actually summed it up really nicely. It's about the li- life we lived mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the things we learned and the experiences we had. Like, you know, first time I ever went to Europe was because of a girl. Yeah. You know, and that was cool because it was an amazing experience beyond the, the reason why I went there. You know, Right, <clears throat> right. So, uh, um, what, were, what were we saying? Well, it's got that, that yeah. in a way, it's got that kind of Scott Pilgrim um, without... The pop references, the, the pop references, it's the relationship yeah. stuff, and I think that's that's the gold. Yeah, like that's what people connect to. And I mean, ostensibly, I think that for years people have felt in comics that you have to present people with this other thing, which is the hook. Yeah, and then give them the real writing, the real emotion, and the real story. And I feel like now, when you look, especially at like the comics journal, and we can we can talk about the comics journal for probably a day and a half, mm-hmm. like fully yeah. <laughs> and um, the fact that you know that they really hated superhero comics and I mean I started the the exhibition that became this podcast the Pop Sequential exhibition yes, yeah. as a kind of against that comics journal snobbery against superheroes yeah. but I also got why they why they didn't like it and it was kind of like all the people that were writing for Gary Groth were like college kids yeah. who wanted to find a way to major in something that made their love of comics worthwhile yeah and they would look for that in these other comics they love the funny animal stuff from the 1930s and 40s and they love the undergrounds but they had this major problem with things that addressed this kind of um, superhero universe in which the focus was on their heroics and not on the human beings. And Vertigo, of course, was the opposite of that. It Mm -hmm. was like, people have to be interesting. You have to like these characters and you have to go through this emotional tumult. Um, And then the fact that these other extraordinary things are happening are almost unrelated or, or they're they're a metaphor for the real life stuff. Yeah. And you already grip onto that. So now where you're writing heartbreak and you're writing like all these kind of real and autobiographical stuff, there's not only more rewarding, but it's going to be more rewarding for the audience because there's an authenticity there. Yeah. And the, and like the rule with heartbreak was if there was a rule, it was like, it's not a like, Oh, this girl wouldn't go out with me. What's wrong with her? I'm such a great guy. And like, this is hard. And it's funny because because we did this book, (laughs) Dave Sim. Oh my God. It's the worst. Like what happens, Nick and I, when we got out of college, you know, we did a comic called clever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is like the kind of book you make when you're right out of college. Yeah. And they were supposed to be like, no one can see you wincing right now, but I'm going to describe it. Yeah. But it's actually not a bad, it's not a bad book, but it was just, Mm -hmm. just thinking of the title. Uh, Okay, <laughs> but um, but yeah, we did like these stories, and it was tough to explain to people. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is, you know, realistically, we were doing uh, small comic shows like Mocha, SPX, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so let's look at this. Like, what's what's the what's the problem with small shows? The small the problem with small shows. Some guy's trying to sell you his fantasy epic comic mm-hmm. that he's done two issues of. That's yeah. a four hundred issue. A twenty-year story that you're never going to see this guy again because yeah. he's going to start working at his dad's office, yeah, and he's going to give up. And so you want things that are like quick hits when you go to those things. You want like a full experience. So yeah. I was like, let's do a comic about something that people can easily like. Just it's a heartbreak, yeah. You know, and and it was it's it, it spawned from I had broken up with a my first probably really serious relationship. It was, mm-hmm. I was totally distraught. I think that night I wrote this comic, mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of that one is the most like hurt one, 
But in it, there's like a couple Star Wars jokes. Yeah. It's, I was still able to get some humor out of it, even though yeah. I was like literally crying while trying yeah, this yeah. fucking comic. Like, like I'm, I'm yeah. happy some people can yeah. laugh about this. Fucking <laughs> yeah. hate you, yeah. But but it was it had some perspective, as yeah. much perspective as a as a broken hearted twenty two year old yeah. can can. Uh, um, so so there was like this vibe to it. So we. So we're like, well, let's try this. Because when, when Nick and I were roommates, we realized that one of the first things we did to kind of get to know each other was we started talking about dating. Like yep. like ex-girlfriends, relationships, funny stories we had. It's like a thing that you have yeah. drinks with somebody and you eventually get to. So yep. we started this book and and then eventually we cr- collected it into a graphic novel. And that's where Gerard did the uh, the forward. Mm-hmm. Of it, but every time that we did it, we kind of like George Lucas did. We kind of like went back and changed a few Fixed things a little bit. Yeah, I'm, we're about to put out. I, we're not about to put out. We're, we're like talking about doing like a ten year, like kind of just re release of the yeah. book, so that's kind of available. And I'm probably still going to make some changes. And the changes I make are not never adding. It's always subtracting. <laughs> I'll go and be like, I don't need a Star Wars joke there. Now this you're, is making, a you're actually moment. making the previous editions more valuable because yeah, there's yeah. more, more oh, stuff yeah. in go those. Yeah. yeah, if you can get your hands on an old, like, you'll see the jokes. Because sometimes you're like, you know what? I wasn't I wasn't as confident as a writer. So, yeah. so you, what happens is that you're like, okay, I'm writing. It's almost like you're trying to succeed despite yourself when yeah. you're doing a relationship comic. Like, you're like, okay, it's a relationship comic, but it's like a good one. And it's like, yeah. don't don't apologize. Yeah. Just make a relationship comic. And if there's a really beautiful moment there, you don't have to make a fucking Darth Vader joke, like, right there. Like, right. You know, like, just let it breathe. Yeah. And when you get older, you know, there's that saying that I learned in art school. Like, you spend the first half of your career trying to figure out what to put in, and then the second half trying to figure out what to take oh, out. yeah. And that's really it. Like, you just learn, yeah. you know, uh, when you go through that. And that's – so going back to meeting Gerard, that's <clears> – the thing was comedy is subjective. Yeah. Com- super subjective. It's really hard to – it's weird. Like, you can watch a bad movie. You can't watch a bad comedy. Yeah. You know? It's real tough yeah. to, like, get through. And the thing that I loved about Gerard's writing, and I guess the thing he likes about mine, <laughs> is that – That took a minute to set in. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, most of the movies that I have turned off and walked out of comedies. have been comedies. Yeah. yeah. I don't see them. I, I yeah. like I like comedies like um, Ghostbusters or like Evil Dead Two, where yeah. it's like, unless it's like su- something like Step Brothers, where it's like super surreal and, and yeah. crazy. I, I think like if it's like here's a funny thing, yeah. isn't this funny? You're like fuck this. Like I like my humor to. to I think humor should just be added on to everything. Because yeah. like, you know, I grew up. It's not its own thing. In the '80s, and yeah. like action movies were funny. Like yeah. people, there was always those lines. So I, I always felt like. I got enough laughs from from others. From Arnold Schwarzenegger, better quality. <laughs> yeah, you get like better quality laughs. I, I'm sorry, like him throwing a predator, like stick around, and you're just like that is better than like half of like the this. macho quip. And oh, then and then so they good. then they destroyed Freddy Krueger by going too far with with the, the quips. Humor. Yeah, yeah, they went to, and that's the thing. They started losing confidence. Yeah. in the idea, and the idea for Freddy Krueger is so good and like yeah. basic that. You just you lose your way, and yeah. it's it's easy to lose your way. And and so the thing I liked about Gerard's writing is I could tell, even though a lot of these assignments were like you had to write them and mm-hmm. then read them in class, like little yeah. one page assignments, and it'd be like a scenario, like okay, like a you know a real easy setup. So everyone would do these things that were like just mirroring what was popular yeah. at the time. That Jerry, you know, years before it would be a Beavis and Butthead yeah. thing. Now it would be like a Harambe joke. You yeah. know, it's just awful, just like, just the most basic crap that ever, you know, just, ugh. And now, so, but we, like, kind of built, like, worlds. I remember one that he loved of mine was, like, uh, we did one where, like, it was, there was a fart joke in there, but mm-hmm. the the two pages of script leading up to the fart joke were, like, a really dry police procedural about, like, two, like, kids they found shot execution style. Yeah. It was, I read it, and the reason I wrote it is because I wanted it to go too long. Yeah. And be really serious and morbid and talk about, like, some dead kids and, like, I, like a, And then, bam, break the moment. And then you hit him yeah. with that, that one little thing, and the only person that laughed was Gerard, and that's what I knew. And that <laughs> class was really mean. Yeah. They, uh, our, our teacher, 
Um, I don't know what his situation was. Right. Uh, I don't know like what his life was like, but, but like, you know, he, he would come to class and like, maybe a little like disheveled, like yeah. his clothing or something. And people would like pick on him for it. Mm-hmm. And one of the big rules of comedy is like, you don't punch down. Right. You punch up. Yeah. You yeah. always punch up. And like, I, you know, it, it was one of those things like this guy is obviously a teacher. Like he's got his shit together, but maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's going through a divorce. Maybe he's got some, maybe he's. Parents are sick. You know, like, yeah. you don't know what someone's going through. Yeah. So if you start making fun of the way someone dresses or they look, and the whole class started to do it, which is really, like, disgusting. Yeah. It was weird. And, and I'm not, like, a sensitive person. Yeah. I'm, like, I was, like, so what happened was Gerard and I used to sit on opposite ends of the class, but mm-hmm. Gerard sat closer to the entrance. Mm-hmm. So one day they got so mean that the teacher, like, I could tell, and he was a comedy writing teacher, like, you tell he had a thick skin, but he yeah. was, like, tell you he was like kind of hurting yeah and, like, these guys so, suck i hate these I like, kids I, I um i so the next week we come in and i was early and i sat next to where gerard normally sat gerard sits down i was like hey man you're why are you sitting over here i was like honestly dude i think the teacher's gonna shoot us i think he's gonna take a gun <laughs> i think he's gonna yeah. kill all of us and we totally have it coming and gerard's like yeah, yeah you're totally right and i was like so i just want to you know you seem cool and i want to be closer to the exit yes <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, we we agreed that we would we would fight each other getting out of the door, but yes. but we would be the first two to leave, and and that's what started kind of our friendship. I was and I was wearing an Avengers T shirt. It was the Emma Peel John Steed Avengers, not the comic book. Right, right, right. Uh, I, that's what I was into at the time, and and he was into that. And so you start. I started talking to him, and what happened was, you know, we talked earlier about like building your little tribe, mm-hmm. and so like I said at my table back in college, it's like. I knew people who read comics, like three or four people, but we didn't necessarily read the same comics, and right. that's totally fine. But um, it was still like we couldn't really connect. You know, I had like my one friend Melissa, like she read like X Men, so we would talk about X Men and Tank Girl, right? And that was right. probably my strongest like comic book like friendship, right? Um, but you, but Gerard was the first person I had met who had read like Tank Girl yeah. and like Killer. Like I'm like, not only do you read comics, but you read like the comics the same I read, comics, yeah. And that was such a strong, like, thing. Like, it was just like, and then I remember I worked at a video store in the city, and he came by one day, and we were walking through the cult section. He was like, have you ever seen this movie, Phantom of the Paradise? I'm like, never. This looks crazy. And, like, I watched it, and I was like, yeah, like, I love this guy. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be friends with this guy for the rest of my life. (laughs) I was was like, this this guy's awesome. And and I showed him stuff, and, and we just, yeah, we just connected on that level where you're like, like Phantom of the Paradise is one of those things. I'm like, I always in my heart wanted something like this to exist. And yeah. now it's nice to know that it does. I'm sort of amazed that um, my chemical romance never covered come together in me now. You know, like it just seemed like such a there natural are, encore. Do you, there's parts of Black Parade yeah. where you listen. There's a couple. There are a couple little like small references to, to like Paul Williams songs. and Phantom, yeah, a little yeah. bit of Paul Williams yeah. in there. And, and the way Gerard would kind of prance around on stage, especially black parade era was yeah. definitely like a little beef inspired yeah he would do like the chicken wing and like the you know <laughs> like he yeah i mean it yeah he i don't think he yeah they never covered it but like it was always there yeah like a little bit and that and part of um during the black parade era seeing that come out because mm-hmm. obviously like you look at like the band who were they from Phantom of the paradise there was like the that like the goth band because it's the same band in the whole movie yeah I was just watching the movie again the other day too and then I love how they use the same musicians and they just dress them in different costumes but there was that one band that they play with beef yeah I love I love the review you know Paul Williams is like he's standing there they're all doing the same versions of it and the country band comes out and he's like love it very pretty but no yeah yeah yeah. I was just it's funny we were just watching uh, we were talking about Paul Williams uh, with uh, Jimmy and Chantal oh yeah and who are amazing, and we yep. we live very close to each other, so we watch movies. At least we'll tell everybody we're talking about. Let's talk yeah. about uh, uh, Jimmy Erringer uh, from um, Mindless Self Indulgence mm-hmm. uh, in a band with Lindsay Way, uh, Gerard's wife, yep. and uh, Chantel is a solo artist, amazing, who came out of the band Morningwood. Morningwood, yep. And it's funny, like um, Morningwood was one of those bands that. I mean, I think if I had been aware of them when I was at ADA, I, I would have been it. like, I, I want to work with this band. Yeah. Like, put me in charge of this band. Yeah. You know, and um, as I was kind of segueing from from running Panic uh, Panic House and in 
getting more involved with Ryko and, and the, the bands at Warner Music. Yeah. And I think they did wind up being distributed by ADA through a different entity. Mm-hmm. But um, and, and I didn't hear, hear her stuff until after I'd already met her. And, yeah. and because she was such good friends, lifetime good friends with my good friend Mia, mm-hmm. and um, and I started listening to it, and I was like, oh my god, I would have been so into these guys. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, her solo stuff's incredible. She yeah, she's amazing, especially the the newer stuff like the '60s inspired. Yeah, like, yeah. Chantal's fantastic. We we've worked together a little bit uh, this year on some projects, mm-hmm. and she is um, she's truly funny. Yeah. Like some people are like, I I don't. Yeah, not a lot of people make me crack up, yeah. and and she legitimately makes me crack up, and and Gerard, <laughs> and that's why I think when I started seeing like Mike Hem start going towards the more theatrical kind of like dark humor mm-hmm. stuff, because because you know at first they they came out and it was very kind of like goth emo, like you know, yeah, was that kind of, of like, Thursday influence, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of metallic and, emo, and that's part of it. Like yeah. like I knew that that was definitely part of what Gerard loved, but like there was a sense of humor mm-hmm. to a lot of it that. As I think the band went on, became more apparent. Yeah, and because Gerard is probably, I don't think he gets noticed enough for how funny yeah. he is. Like he he kills me. Like he, like he's <laughs> so so funny and so dry. And he's one of those people. He doesn't talk a lot. I talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I play the law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if I say a hundred things and twenty of them are funny, I'm doing pretty good. But Gerard, he'll just—he's like a samurai. He'll yeah. say that one thing, and you're like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's it like writing with him now? So it's work, great. working on Cape Carson. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, yeah, we mostly do. We work on the st- uh, these days. Um, we work on the story together mm-hmm. the most. So the like the kind of overall like the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I I come in and I write like most of the issue. Mm-hmm. And then um, the first three issues we we like co wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with issue four, I kind of take over more of the writing. But we're still basically like we. I just got notes from last night. Like he'll go through the issues and we'll change lines. And so stuff. he'll plot, you'll populate, and we then both, he'll yeah, come yeah. back we both in plot and plot, yeah. and then and then I'll populate, and then and then he'll like come in and and if there's anything that needs to get changed, you know, we change it. And mm-hmm. his suggestions are always good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's we're we have a very good working relationship. It's our first project we've done together that's come out, but yeah. we have been working together for about nine years, right? Uh, not just in comedy writing class, but we were, you yeah. know, we were working on, you know, the, the thing where you're working on shows, you're working on movies and that everything sci- takes the a sci-fi decade. show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't well, know how much was... I can talk about that. Oh, is that yeah, maybe back in the running? That, um, yeah, we, there's, there's some energy behind it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just one of the things that we're, you know, Jared's like, he's very focused on the line right now. So mm-hmm. am I, I mean, we're, we're both very, very busy. With young animal stuff, so it's one of those things. It's it's bad. It never, nothing ever really dies. It'll like go away for a little while, yeah. and then it comes back, and then, you know, uh, it's such a everything takes like ten years to make. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You hear the stories of a movie taking ten years, and you think like, well, that's incredible. How do they like? St-? But it's just because it goes away yeah. for a while, and then. You work on it a year later. And Very few people are doing weekly rewrites on a, on a, a ten-year yeah, project. Like on a 10-year yeah, a ten-year project. Yeah, it's like, like intense work for three to nine months. It goes away yeah. for three to four years, and then it relives, and it's yeah. like running back up the and, hill. And, and you know what? Even if the thing never comes out, mm-hmm. it's had a positive influence on our lives because yeah. the fact is that uh, because of the nature. So, so what I can say about it is, it's like sci-fi, yeah, like like base. It's like a fun, cool kind of punk rock like kind of Star Warsy thing. And mm-hmm. like that's what got me involved in the Killjoys stuff. Yeah. When they were doing the videos, it came out to help write some stuff and right. And then I ended up meeting like the art director and that's mm-hmm. how I moved out to LA. I started doing like storyboards. Oh, wow. And so that actually led to like Jared needed my help and because we were in the same So headspace. I met you like right when you first came out. Right here. when I came out. You were yeah, yeah we were one of the first people I met. I went out to a gallery show one yeah. at Lindsay's. Yeah. It was my first five months being here and I think Oh my gosh, yeah. We met and, and I had been to Wacko a few times mm-hmm. and I think I had stopped by the, the gallery. And, and he, then we met again at one of the like guns parties and I was yeah. like, oh, I, I love this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, James Gunn, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the, um, well, what we, can we say a little bit that, um, that the, it's like kind of like the Italian sci-fi apocalypse? <laughs> I would love, I would love, <laughs> but it's more, it's more like kind of uh, Star Wars Warsy, a little yeah. more Starfighter, or Dark Star, yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff, like ships and, and things. Not yeah. really like Space Knights, right? right. Not, not like really stuff like that, or like Apocalypse. But uh, Killjoys, there was that like really like neon sci-fi yeah. like flair to it. So and that humor. So he brought me on, and, and we worked on that, and then that really, yeah, that brought me out here. Mm-hmm. And then in working that, like 
that's how we got our working relationship for Cave. Yeah. We're very, I'm very comfortable writing with Gerard. I can't really write with everybody. Yeah. You know, and, and part of that. The is collaboration's really hard unless you just have that same mindset. Is a great collaborator. Yeah. Because it's not one of those things where it's like my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of the, like he honestly the best suggestion always wins. And yeah. we rarely criticize each other in terms of like, ah, that's a shitty line. No one ever talks like right, that. Right, right. It's always like, okay, that's good. Can we make it better? Yeah. Can we like we just go back and forth? Yeah. And if he comes up with the thing or I come up with the thing, it's just in there. That's where There's it's no great ego. to have somebody who who works on song lyrics <clears throat> um, yes. in comics because yeah. it's really filtering down major ideas into an economy of words yeah. and because word the nature of word balloons, yes. it seems like I'm surprised actually that seeing the success that Gerard has had in comics, that a lot of other musicians aren't like, I want to do that yeah, because they it try seems so sometimes. But, but it, they have to also already be in a comics. That's the thing. Gerard's not slapping his name on something yeah. like if you like MCR, you love you know right. it's a comic about bats. You know, like it's not. <laughs> it's not. He's not doing like you know when he was doing the Revenge era, and it's all like you know like guns and angels and, and all, like, all that imagery and working mm-hmm. on Black Parade, he comes up with Umbrella Academy, which is totally different. Yeah. And that's, that's a, to a credit. He's not yeah. trying to, he wasn't trying to cash in on some kind of branding. Yeah. I he love was, that song, Vampire Money. Like, it's, Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I just love that. Yeah, that is a great song. <laughs> it's kind of about not doing that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And that's, and that's Gerard's whole thing. It's like, he always likes to expand, like, outwards, wants to find, like, new ideas. And, and that's where we, like, fundamentally agree with each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's why working with him is great. I mean, the fact that we're friends is a great like side thing. But yeah. even if we, you know, only knew each other professionally, I mean, he's he's a fantastic person to work with. Like, and I'm starting to see that with the line. Like, we all hung out at the North Carolina Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that that was the largest gathering of the young animal creators. It wasn't everybody. Right. It would probably be impossible to get everyone into a room. Right. But everyone. Just got along. Yeah. Like, not in, like, a weird, like, oh, we're all in the same, work for the same corporation. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's, no, like. <laughs> not it was the Belco almost, way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Belco way. Um, we, uh, yeah, we, we all were just, like, we all liked each other. Mm-hmm. Like, we all just kind of got along. Ever, you didn't, you can have, like, a comfortable silence yeah. with some of these people. And that's really great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was, well give me some social media. Okay. Where, where can people find you? I'm on I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I hate Twitter. Yeah. I try to do it. It's yeah. like eating my vegetables. I only do Twitter when I also tag something from Instagram, and I've got like five different accounts. Instagram is my favorite thing, and yeah. even that I only post like once a week. I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook, but I'm gonna probably make that yeah private because that's where Keep I that bit, that's where I bitch about movies. So <laughs> I try not to like. It not not only because it's maybe smart not to yeah. talk crap on people you might be working with right. like someday because it is a small world. Yeah, but also it's like there's a lot of negativity out there, yeah. and like nobody needs my hot take on like you know Fantastic Beasts or something. Even though I like yeah. that movie, but like you know, yeah. like does anybody need that? Right. You know, you ask yourself. Unless yeah, you have like I, I a generally, true. I generally choose not to cover stuff. And when I was doing, I was a film critic for KLSX mm-hmm. for a long time in the '90s. I was in Ricky Rackman's show, and I was yeah. flickhead. The you know, and that's the, the thing though, because people are coming to you for your. They're they're yeah. in the market for a opinion yeah. on something, and I generally wouldn't cover stuff that I had a negative opinion of. I didn't want to be that guy, and a few times I had to be, and I hated it. Yeah, I hated having to say like something yeah. bad about it. No, but, but I mean, like when you're talking to your friends, it's like you, there, there shouldn't be a filter on what you get to discuss. Yeah, but now because other people may have access to it, you know, yes, what's good yeah. for a small audience isn't always good for big yeah, audience. Yeah, so like I feel like fa- something like Facebook, I'm I'm kind of I'm like I want that to be like where me and my friends can. can yep. And it's fine. My friend, my friend Melissa Howland, who I'm yeah, sure, I know Melissa. yeah, she, yeah, she works for, like she just had a thing where it was like she just mentioned like finally gonna go see Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, you know, like. Looking forward to it, and and apparently she got like flack from it. Like people, like, why would you go look that movie? And, you know, and it's like, come on, man. Wow, she wasn't asking for your opinion. It was, I know it was like she's just <laughs> like, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna have a fun day. It's like let someone have a fun day. Who cares what they're gonna go see? Just noticed that Mask of the Red Death T-shirt, which I love. Oh yeah, man. I actually did a whole art project around that in the early '90s. Really? Yeah, these screen prints that use utilize that artwork in different Corman film stuff oh, with a guy named God. Gorilla. 
you know, who's uh, no longer with us, who was one of the original um, Warhol superstars. And he was just, I knew him way post his um, kind of um, like fabulous drag queen life. And he was just this guy who would smoke cigarettes and say like really crass things. Nice. And, um, and we worked, you know, for, for Billy Shire on, on Melrose. But um, yeah, I always love seeing I love, that I stuff. Actually, this morning, I think somebody I follow on Twitter, I tend to like now I only follow like art accounts. Yeah. People who post like, cool visuals and yeah. stuff because I'm, I'm i've had it yeah with everyone this year yeah. uh, but like uh she, some girl she posted like four she she posts like frames mm-hmm. of movies that may not be the same movie but like similar looking shots which oh, i think is cool. cool but today she did just four shots from uh, mask of the red death oh, which is death, visually yeah. one of the most beautiful uh technicolor and shot by nicholas rogue really yeah he was the cameraman on that oh, you could tell like it's it's corman yeah but it's really good. And yeah. Corman, it's, you know, I love Death Race 2000. Yeah. I love Big Bird Cage and all that. Curse but, the Crimson Altar. You um, know, like yeah, there, yeah. there's a handful of films that are, there's Hammer, there's Amicus, and there's the um, yes. the Corman stuff. I love those. They movies. have these amazing looks to them. Well, can we're we, actually. Can we talk about this like another, on another day? I'm going to have you that? back in just to like talk about general stuff yeah. because <laughs> we, we haven't even nearly discussed what I want to get into. Oh, man. But we have run out of time. So I do want to. I want to thank everybody for listening in. Um, hopefully this has energized you a little bit, given you a little bit more uh, information about um, Jonathan Rivera's work in comics. And I think a lot of people are already familiar with um, Gerard Way's work. And so I, you, when you read it and you get kind of an idea of where these two guys are coming from and how this collaboration works, I think you'll be really interested in seeing what else that um, that you're going to be doing, you know, yeah. solo and, and go and search out the, the graphic novels and stuff he's already done. But um, add him to your kind of... Uh, I know your um your RSS feed, you know, like to see what Jonathan Rivera is up to because he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I think it's at John Rivera and Instagram. I think it's like John Rivera eighty. I, J O N, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am J O N. Uh, I'm Jonathan Rivera, but I guess yep. I just feel like it's easier to say John Rivera. Yep. So yep. I just went that way. Perfect. Make it easy for the kids. Oh, by the <laughs> way, the comic's called Cave Carson. I don't know if we ever Cave talked Carson about has that. a cybernetic yeah, eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you can also find us at um, at PodSec, P-O-D-S-E-Q, um, where Pod Sequentialism on um, on Twitter and um, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, you know, feel free to post them on our wall. If you have any questions for prior guests, we'll, we'll get those questions off to them, get you some answers. And uh, thanks again. And you'll hear us next time on Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy, a production of Meltdown Comics and Collectibles, La Luz de Jesus Gallery, and the Wacko and Soap Plant Superstore. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole. It's not. Um, you can, If you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.